This week on Erotic Awakening, Master Hank, Stripping, and O Canada. Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. If you are offended by adult topics or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening right now. We'd like to thank our latest Patreon supporters, Enigma and Sir Domino. Among other perks, Patreon supporters get free Kickstarter cards or a book, as well as audible excerpts from our book, Living MS, and Zoom discussions. The next one is on August 9th. Hi, Don. Hi, Dan. Let me just chill back on the music a little bit. <laughs> I like the music. I do too. I was listening recently, um, because we didn't record a podcast last week, I ended up doing a retrospective of episode 22. So, oh, did you now? Yeah, so I did a, uh, often on the old uh, Facebook, I will see people posting reaction videos. Mm-hmm. And I was particularly annoyed by one that was a reaction video to a classically trained flutist reaction to the first time she heard Jethro Tull. I didn't actually watch the video, but I just found the whole concept to be kind of annoying. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why. People dig it. A lot. It's very popular. So I did a reaction video or a reaction podcast to episode 22, which we did on sensual spanking. The point being, it had the old music, the old intro music, the old ex- exit music. Nice. It was interesting. I didn't know you posted anything out there. I may have to go listen to it. That's what you get for not paying attention. Leave me I... home alone. <laughs> I think I'd stay. Was it, what, was it the do-do-do-do-do? No, it was way before <laughs> that. Um, you, If you were to listen to it, it was X3C3 by White Knight or oh, something. Oh, I remember that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to go back and listen. Okay. Listen, I was just talking to um, Bat's daughter today about how um, she's like, so what's your topic going to be tonight? I'm like... After 11 and a half years of coming up with stuff, we probably should just roll back and start at the beginning mm-hmm. <laughs> and start all over again like we've talked about before. You didn't so. say uh, sneaking in porn when you're not home? No. <laughs> <laughs> we did, but I'm not going to yes. tell her that. <laughs> um, so today on the podcast, we are going to first go through a little bit of stuff like our kinky list Mm-hmm. And a little bit of random stuff. And then later in the podcast, you are going to be on your own solo interviewing the mysterious Master Hank. Indeed. Which, so. if you are a uh, long-term fan of the podcast or have seen us present, you'll probably be saying, well, no, but either way, you'll probably be in the what the fuck zone. Probably so. And you know what's going to be interesting is that I'm going to be interviewing Master Hank. Usually when Master Hank's talking, I have nothing to say. I am on point. <laughs> this will be a nice I'm... opportunity. <laughs> I guess. Probably I used against me later. <laughs> yeah, that is one of the interesting bits. And we do plan to play after the podcast. We actually have that on oh, the agenda for tonight. Oh, that is true. So that oh, yes. The maybe spanking. keep keep Master Hank the whole time. <laughs> uh, but before we get there, Don, we have to talk about some uh, of our kinky stuff. We have three kinky things. We're going to start the show with that today. Don, how do you feel about stripping? Oh, depends. I can remember. I guess anymore I'm okay with it. I don't know that I can do like like naughty striptease stripping, mm-hmm. right? That's not my thing. But I can strip. It's, it's, it's okay. And it is kind of cool sometimes. How about? But, but, but yes, yes. remember, that was the first thing I had an issue with when you and I were together and, and starting out our power exchange. You wanted me to strip and then walk into a group of six people. Oh, and I couldn't do it. <laughs> 
now, we, as we often say, we can't get you to keep your shirt on once right. we're halfway towards it a bit. But is there a difference between uh, you and someone are getting ready to start a scene mm-hmm. and the person says, go ahead and strip down to whatever you're comfortable or you and someone is getting ready to start a scene. They stand and look at you and cross their arms and say, strip. Oh, there's a total difference. The first one's easy. Okay. <laughs> the second one, not so much, because I have to slow it down, right? The first one is, how fast can I get my clothes off? Right. And where am I going to put them so I can find them again in the dark? <laughs> Make sure everything's turned right side out because you're dressing in the dark. Um, and the other one, you have to slow it down and make that eye contact and make it kind of sexy. That's a little harder for me. I can understand that. I think that though that the one that I'm expressing is more of a, you wouldn't be un, just an uncomfortable, not a strip for me, just a strip. More uncomfortable? Yeah. Having somebody just stare at you while you're taking your clothes off that you don't know. That is more uncomfortable, but it also makes me slow down mm-hmm. and try okay. to give a little show, even though I don't know how to do the thing, All right, like I'm gonna, a lap dance or something. I'm going to mark that one off. Uh, we'll talk soon. We should talk about tearing off clothing because you had an opportunity to experience that not long ago. With one of my shirts. Well, yeah. <laughs> I did not wear on purpose to be torn off. Yes, that's <laughs> something that we'll probably talk about, not to mention thinking halfway through ripping it off, going, huh, does she have another shirt here at all? Or... <laughs> Uh, how about struggling? Struggling? I actually like struggle play. Mm-hmm. So um, it falls in with the fear play because now there's two different things going on in my head. For one, when you do takedown scenes with me, you don't let me struggle. And that's a thrill mm-hmm. in and of itself, right? That you want to struggle when you're not allowed to, right? So that's its own thing. And then there's the struggle play where I am allowed to struggle And I have to be really careful where my head goes, as in I don't want to hurt myself. So I've got a bad elbow. I've got a bad back. I've got, you know, things that happen as you get older. And um, I like the play aspect of it. And I'm not strong enough to do a goddamn thing about it. So I'm usually, you know, it's whoever I'm struggling with wins because I don't have the strength to really do it. But I try. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's fun as well. So... Okay. Yeah, I like that. Get down on the mats. As, yeah, as long as we're laying down. I don't want to struggle while we're standing up because I have seen the broken ankle and the things like that as people play wrestle. Mm. I'd rather already be down on the mats and struggle that way. I'm not a big fan. No? No. I, That's I, why you don't let me struggle. Yeah, <laughs> I am more of a... Um, I think a lot of people dig the idea of like putting somebody's arms up over their head and tying them up over there. I like putting your arms up over your head mm-hmm. and tying them with air. Yeah. And saying leave them there. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's what I yeah. When I when I play with you and I'm I can't explain that to people. And and they're like, Oh, I like the struggle. And I'm like, No, when I do take down with Dan, I'm not allowed to fight back. I'm not allowed to struggle. And that in of itself is being dominated. Mm-hmm. Although we do have and our struggle. Thrilled. We do have our struggle scenes on occasion. I remember once mm-hmm where I was blindfolded. We were both on the mat and uh-huh. I was trying to find you and grab you and uh-huh. uh, you had to be quiet and sneaky and shit. And how'd that work for you? Not so well because I'm older with bad knees and a bad back. 
and everything was creaking, and then I would giggle. <laughs> I think that's the only scene I've giggled in. I was going to say the giggling was a more of a more so than your your back cracking, your knees squeaking. <laughs> that was recently. That's been in the last year, I think. So mm-hmm. right here at the space, and yet I think that is the only time I've giggled in 21 years with you during a scene. And <laughs> I couldn't get away without making noise. <laughs> and uh, finally, how do you feel about what's your experience? What's your experience with switching? None. Yeah, me neither. Fortunately, on the Erotic Awakening podcast, um, when we don't know things, we just say we don't know things. Mm -hmm. And we can give you resources that do. Fortunately, uh, Lee Harrington, who is a fantastic educator, if you've not had the opportunity to see Lee, uh, has a five-video part thing on switching over on the Kink Academy. Nice. If you were to type in the word switching, you'd see Lee Harrington with switching strategies, relationship styles, types of play, Types of Switches, Part 1 and 2. And uh, I tell you, Lee is just a fantastic educator. You'll very much enjoy that. Head over to the kinkacademy.com, search for Switching, and you will find them then. I've been a fangirl of Lee's for a long time. I got looking, and it was 2004 when we did Dark Odyssey where we met them. Yep. So, and that was, yeah, so fantastic educator. Love and it, love we it. are very fortunate to have met Lee at a point that we didn't know that Lee was mm-hmm. Lee. Lee. We just hung out and chatted mm-hmm. by a bonfire for an hour or two. It was a very nice time. Um, Did a um, show with them in Atlanta, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah so. Oh, they were on the podcast for a while, not too oh, yeah, yeah. many part years of ago. The, part of the network. So would absolutely recommend Lee for, yes, yep. anything like that. Which is good because, like I said, I know nothing about switching. I co-top with you every now and then. I priestess top every now and then, but I do not have the... So far, I don't have the mental capability of switching back and forth. So my kink is submitting. Mm-hmm. So, mm. yay. Um, Kitka from Michigan mentioned a glory hole scene that they heard about on the Dark Side podcast out of Canada. Oh, that's from a while ago. That is from a while ago. Dark Side podcast, which do you remember who was running the Dark Side podcast? Dark Angel. And? Not uh, nice. Not nice. Not nice. I just saw them post on FET the other day. Oh. I have more information I forgot to tell you. Do you remember People of Kink? Yeah, sure. Someone just sent me a picture the other day that is of a logo that says People of Kink Rebooted. Oh, no kidding. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So so that podcast may be coming back. And that was a wonderful podcast. But the, the podcaster has gone through some changes. Yes. So I'm kind of curious how... how they're going to roll that in there. The uh, interesting, uh, I had somebody write me earlier, write to our account saying, hey, we're enjoying Erotic Awakening. We're just getting started in the MS. What resources are out there for people like us? Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think of the, the podcast, other than ours, obviously. Um, I can't really, I don't know too many other Power Exchange podcasts. I mean, no, I don't listen to a lot of other True, podcasts. True, same here. I haven't looked for any. You know. Because like you said, dark side, gone. People of kink, gone. Mm-hmm. So It'll be nice if people of kink gets rebooted because they said that they were just going to go back to interviewing people, mm-hmm. which means if you can find the old podcast, if they're still out there, I haven't looked, I don't know. There's some really good interviews mm-hmm. with people of leather, people of MMS, people of, I mean, that was his thing, was yep. interviewing people. So nice. Yep. I see that uh, we will get into that interview in just a moment. I see that uh, Enigma from Enigma Photography 
sent uh, a series of photos, uh, a woman in bathtub full of ramen. That was pretty hot. That was hot. I actually saw that. So that was cool. And then um, Kitka sent me a picture of a purple tentacle dildo. So I did forget. It was not a bad dragon dildo. It was different. They found it on Etsy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody's got their own Etsy thing Mm -hmm. going there. That's pretty cool. So, yeah, so that was really cool. Yep. So you can uh, find us on Instagram. I actually have put a couple of pictures out there recently. I don't remember what the most recent one was. And um, you can find us at Erotic Awakening. And we have a new subscriber to the newsletter. Aaron from Indiana. Aaron from Indiana. You can get your EA shout-outs. Head over to eroticawakening.com and find out the link to the EA newsletter. And if you had done that, you would have found out that we are currently, if you head over to Erotic Awakening, click on Buy Dan and Dawn, you'll find out that our books and cards and all that stuff is having a COVID sale. We are. So uh, a summer COVID sale and everything's on sale. And we also have our T-shirts. So oh, got some, some people, of T-shirts back mm-hmm, in, yeah. Yep, so we ended up getting some larger sizes. We've got our... Um, in my relationships, I practice and not or our polyamory T-shirt that goes with the polyamory toolkit book. And yep. they're uh, $18.99 right now, but I go all the way up to 4X. What a bargain. What a bargain. That's oh, we, we used to say that all the time. <laughs> what our, a bargain. Yep, it used to be our thing. <laughs> so, all right, Dawn. So uh, I will step out and um, I will uh, make way for your interview with Master Hank. With Master Hank. Looking forward to it. So welcome to the podcast, Master Hank. Thank so, you. The Erotic Awakening Podcast. Um, big fan. I, I, big fan? I bet <laughs> you are. So I, I've heard a bit about you, actually. So and thought Well, we you have presented you. with me. Oh, that is true. So, and um, I thought we would have you on here. And first of all, describe or explain a little bit about who you are. I think a good way to explain who I am is one of the classes, the only class that I teach, is called um, Submission is a Gift and my oh and treat me like a flower and treat me like a f- flower or some shit and other shit that master hank submission is a gift and i am a delicate flower or th- something like that i'm going to actually look up the actual name of the class okay um, but it's it's basically the idea of it is that if you come so this whole came across because as i'm wandering around fet life i see that there's a lot of people on FetLife that are weak and pitiful and lame and calling themselves master. Uh, And it just pisses me off. Being a master is a powerful methodology. It's a powerful expression of self, and it should be done with significant energy and responsibility. And seeing people out there, and I don't really care about the weak and lame part. The reason I say weak and lame is because it's not embodied the responsibility that goes with being calling, giving yourself the title of master. And in, this is the generic term of master, if you want to use the term mistress instead. Uh, I know a lot of uh, female identifying people that identify as master. Master is a generic term to me. So it sounds like this workshop was a way for you to express your opinion on that. And that's really all it is. It's the opportunity for people to not have to be coddled anymore. Uh, I'm going to look up the name of this podcast or this class. So just hold on a second. Yes, sir. 
Submission is a gift that I should be cherished as the delicate, delicate flower I am and other bullshit Master Hank does not tolerate. Um, yeah, so this is the idea that I don't want the best for my slaves. I'm going to demand it. Smashing down walls, claiming the inner slave that wants to be free, making decisions that are based on my self-confidence and my lack of or my powerful ego, identifying my own strengths and transforming you, a slave, into something that completely lives up to their full potential, right? That's an aggressive act. It should be a powerful act. And again, it is because we see people that identify as masters as too passive and weak and which is great. Do whatever the fuck you want in your peer relationship, right? You know, chill and sit on a couch and eat Cheetos. And if you want to have somebody in your relationship, bring you another Cheeto or whatever the fuck. Great. Do that. But don't call that power exchange. That can be a aspect of power exchange. But the difference between that is you've earned the right to sit on that couch. You've earned that right to say, go get me a Cheeto. And the person is doing it from a sense of loyalty and, and, a, and something that causes both of you to ultimately grow. Power exchange should be about growth. And this is the whole reason for Master Hank's existence, so to speak, is because where when you go to the Dan and Dawn show, it's not definites, right? It's, well, do it your way, whatever you want to do. And be relaxed and do it. If that's your path, great. That's your path. Um, in just my opinion, that's great. Do it that way. Don't fucking use the word master, right? Go make up some other word. Call yourself a domly dom. Call yourself a dom. Call, call yourself um, whatever the hell you want, right? Um, so what I'm hearing is, and, and I was actually going to ask you this, but I heard you actually say it. You're feeling that the title master should be earned, not just go on FetLife and choose master. Yes. And earned over and over again, not just a one-time thing. Yeah, you believe absolutely. It's earned with your actions. Um, your right to claim the title master is just like, it's just like a shower, right? You don't take a shower once and you're clean forever. You have to do it over and over again. This title of master has to be re-earned over and over again. Now, the time it takes between active mastery and then you can, after you've been doing it for a while and you've developed some tr a trust with someone and a bond with someone, you can give it a little bit of a pause. But it doesn't, it doesn't go away. It just gets low level. There's never a spot where you are not in master mode, even if it's in a very low level mode. Understood. So um, now I've also watched you with people that you mentor. And with some of the ones in the past that you mentor, other, other masters, you've told them to stop calling themselves master, that you'll let them know when they can call themselves master. So can you explain a little bit of the process of that and when you think they're able to do that? Why do you call yourself slave? Why do I call myself slave? Well, for one, you told me I was slave. So that's part of it. Yeah. I know. <laughs> For two, in my heart, that is who I am, and I've, I obey. Blah, blah, blah. Everybody can say that. The reality mm -hmm. is for you, and I can say this because I've seen this happen, you have earned that title. Mm -hmm. Not just from the perspective of being in a, in a power exchange contest and having judges say, oh, you get this title. That's great, but that's not an essential. 
whether you are identifying as a slave or a master, there's, you can use that terminology all day long, and I just don't care. But if you're going to use that terminology, I perceive, and as, as somebody who's mentoring people, it is better to have earned that title so that when you, when you go to this place and somebody introduces you as master whatever, or you introduce yourself or you're, you're signing your name as master whatever, you know you've earned that title of master, right? So when I mentor someone, I get to decide just like it was decided for me mm-hmm. when they get to own that title, right? And there's two things that I look for. First off is the, their responsibility. Are you taking that responsibility for yourself, Taking responsibility for another person is not essential. Taking responsibility for yourself, mastering yourself is the first thing. Not all people that are identifying as masters have slaves, right? So if you have a slave, it's much easier to perceive, to reflect that that's your power exchange, right? You can look at the slave. The slave is the slave a reflection of you or not, right? So the other thing, and then the other thing I look for, if you're going to call yourself a master in the community, then you have to serve the community, which is, might sound like a weird thing that a master has to serve, but that's just the reality of it. I require that anybody who I say is okay to call themselves master to have some level of community responsibility where they are leading in the community in some way. And the reason for that is I don't think that we as powerful masters, I don't think there's that many of us. So I think that there's some value in us standing up and saying, here I am. And I, I like what you said about being leaders in the community, right? So, I mean, that is part of this whole leading thing. That's part of the whole power exchange relationship, right? So leading in a relationship. So for me, it kind of makes sense that it would roll over into leading in the community as well. And you, you mentioned something, though, that you're – seeing exactly what it is I'm going to ask you next, because you said my slave should be and is a reflection of me. So what does that mean to you? So one of the things that I teach is that um, if I want a glass of water and the glass of water is in 10 feet away or in a different room, I can still get that glass of water without having to get out of my seat. My slave is an extension of my arm and an extension of my will. As such, If you look at it that way, then if my arm reaches out and hits someone, I don't blame my arm. I don't say, oh, my arm, what are you going to do? I say, that's my fault. I apologize. I own that action if it's worthy of an apology. In the same way, if I tell my slave, you know, go into another room and get a cup of water and that my slave spills water on somebody, that's me spilling water on somebody. I take responsibility for that. If my slave goes out on FetLife and posts some rant about some shit that I don't care about, which basically anything that is rant worthy, I probably don't need them out there ranting about anything. Um, That's equal to me ranting about it. And if I don't care about ranting about something, then why am I look, why am I looking bad by ranting about something? Even if it's coming through my slave, I've had that situation where my slave has done something to displease me and to embarrass me and had to go take ownership of that to go, and I don't, it's not like I don't, I don't send my slave to apologize. I make my slave come with me while I apologize for their behavior. That is more impactful for them, but also the appropriate um, reflection of our relationship. So, yeah, I could see that would be, how that would be more impactful as well, even to the slave, right? So I know many of us do not like to disappoint our masters. 
Um, so something that we talked about, we had a um, phone call with our Patreon supporters on Sunday. And one of the topics that was brought up, I'd like to hear your opinion on, which is the obey first, then trust, then faith. And they were asking about obeying and how they were having a problem obeying. What does Master Hank think about obeying in a slave? Just fucking do it, right? And you keep it very simple and very clear. Here's what I'm going to tell you. I want you to go do the thing. If you don't do the thing, you're going to be punished. Punishment does not mean taken over the knees and spanked or something like that. It's, but it's, it means something, and it is that simple. And that's why it's a master-slave relationship instead of a peer relationship. I don't necessarily believe in, and I've never seen, now maybe I'm wrong, I've never seen a master-slave relationship that doesn't have a punishment dynamic in it. Granted, you may go 10 years without punishment, 20 years without punishment, but the dynamic, it is part of that dynamic, is that you are going to push that person. And it's funny because uh, I had somebody send me this, this little app uh, that I downloaded from the Play Store, and we'll talk about that one other day. But where you create, where your punishment, if you do the right things, you get a certain number of points, and you can turn in your points for, for bonus things or something like that. Fuck that complicated shit, right? I give you an order. We started off having this pure conversation that you wanted to be my slave. Mm-hmm. We had this, now, granted, it can be hard just fucking do it. It can be hard to be a master too. Just fucking do it. And what I really look for isn't the fact that you've done it at all. A good master doesn't care whether you fucking do it or not. They care that what was your intent? What was your desire? You know, it's a lot more powerful to me. If I tell you go into another room and grab a cat and bring it back (laughs) in here, I tell you to go into another room and grab a cat and bring it back in here, right? It's not important whether you come back in here with a cat. What's important to me is that something as insane as that, you said, fine, I will find a way to make that happen. I'm going to go try to make that happen. I'm going to give it my best. I'm going to get up out of my chair. I'm not going to ask a bunch of stupid questions. I'm going to get up out of my chair. I'm going to go do it and do it the best I can. And if you come back here with a cat with scratches, with no cat. That's the part that I'm looking for, you know, that desire to go do it. When you come back in here with no cat, are you disappointed? Are you pissed off? Are you ambivalent? That's what I'm looking for. Nice, nice. So one of the questions that we get asked a lot has to do with punishment. So everybody's always asking, what is the perfect punishment. So is punishment needed? You just said it was needed in a power exchange relationship. Can you explain a little bit more about that? It is about the responsibility that we're taking for the roles that we have, right? I have the responsibility for giving a slave some feedback and some orders. So I say, slave, go get the cat from the other room. Go make the bed, go make my lunch, whatever. My responsibility doesn't end until that task is accomplished, and I have taken a look at how well that task was performed. The desire of my slave is to perform that task wonderfully and to know that I'm paying attention, right? If I 
tell my slave to make sure whenever we take a drive somewhere that I'm seat belted in. And the first time we go for a drive, my slave doesn't think about that. And I remind him. The second time we go for a drive, my slave doesn't think about that. I reach over and I pinch their thigh. It's not a big fucking deal. It's not enough to get a scream, not enough to leave a bruise. But it's a, it is a physical representation of my command not being followed that my slave can then transfer into not chagrin, maybe a little bit of chagrin, but then can transfer into this acknowledgement of that I am actually paying attention, that I do actually care. It is an intimate touch, this pinch, this punishment, because it is a bonding thing. It says, I will not take, settle for less than everything. So here's a reminder, give me everything. And that that command to tell you know, to put on my seatbelt is important. It's not important because I'm wearing a seatbelt and we can talk statistics about car crashes. It's important because I say so. And it's important because you do so. And it's important because when we sit in a car, your thought goes to, I am a slave. I will speak up and say, sir, don't forget your seatbelt. So have you ever punished by mistake? And if so, or for some other reason, should a master ever apologize? You should apologize for asking me this question because you know I have. Yes, sir. I apologize. Maybe I shouldn't give a shit because you're the, the podcaster, right? But yes, absolutely I have. I as meted. You well know. I'm sorry. As you well know, right, you meted, right. <laughs> so um, the trick is you are going to, if you stay on point and you stay instinctive, and you pay attention. You're not going to make a lot of mistakes, but you will make mistakes. You'll mishear something. You'll missee something. You're, this isn't fucking Westworld. You're just a human being, and you're going to make mistakes. Cool. Own those mistakes. That's a big key to being a master. Own your mistakes. And that's what I look for on these um, less than people out on the fet life, right? They're complaining and whining and not accepting their own responsibility and things, right? If you make a mistake, if I say... Slave, go get me a cat. And my slave brings back a cat. And I thought I said a kit cat. And I get a furry animal. And I punish my slave. And my slave, uh, first off, I expect my slave to accept the punishment. But then to speak up and say, sir, with all due respect, I believe you said you wanted a kit cat, not a cat. I apologize if I misheard. And then I get the reflect and I say, fuck, I did say that one thing. And they did exactly what I told them to say. And I forgot. Then you speak up and say, Slave, you're right. I, I made a mistake. And you take responsibility for that. The other part of that is you say, here's how I'm going to rectify that mistake. And the last part about that that is essential is to add on the phrase, and I won't make that same mistake again, and then not make that same mistake again. And if you continue to make that same mistake, then you need to stop being a master for a little bit and look in the mirror and say, what the fuck is wrong with you, right? Your communication methodology is bad. Your commands are bad. Your right to own is bad. Step back, figure that shit out. So if there's moments where you have to take responsibility, right, for making a mistake, and there's landmines that you can step on, even though you may not even be sure what they are, how can you... Build your confidence so that you can be instinctive in all of this. 
So one of the things I do when I teach this class is I will go through, I'll post to uh, the event page and say, hey, I've got a class. I need three, four, five demo people. And then you parse through the demo people, right? The demo people are, you're, I am demonstrating mastery over somebody that you don't actually know. And it's really interesting to watch as they fly through these different states of beginning with humor and nervousness and ending with a state of submission, which is pretty fantastic. Most of the time, sometimes people don't, they don't get there and that's okay. That's not anything wrong with them. If anything, that's something that I missed in that presentation. In the situation like that, you are likely to hit some kind of roadmap, some kind of um, landmine, right? Because you don't know these people very well. Um, I do a very brief negotiation beforehand. I say, here's the language I'm going to use. Here's the physical, the physical things I'm going to use. But I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do once we get going because you live on instinct. You live on that confidence in yourself. When you hit those landmines, you recognize it. And if you're paying attention, you should be able to recognize somebody's gone from being vulnerable and open to starting to close up. You grab them and you lock them in and you say, don't close up, right? I'm here. We'll look at whatever this trigger is and you figure out what the fuck it is. You back off of it, but you keep moving forward as well, right? If you find out that the person you're interacting with Unbeknownst to you or to them, they have a trigger or they have a landmine or a problem around being fucked with a Diet Coke bottle, right? And you're starting to do that thing and you see that that trigger is happening. There's no reason to keep pushing them through it because you're not a fucking psychologist. You're not there to try and get them over some trauma. You recognize it. You should be paying enough attention to recognize it and you back off of it and you fuck them with something else instead or you do something else instead. Let them know this, there's nothing wrong with them. They've hit a wall. Now, I'm kind of a fan of you should have some kind of way to communicate. They should be able to communicate, I need to stop. And you should give them the confidence to let them know. You might even ask them, do you want to stop for a little bit? Do you want to take a couple breaths? Grab some water, right? But don't just suddenly stop and say, oh, I'm sorry I hurt you, honey bunny. Let's just stop and I'll, I'll cuddle you, right? People don't often need that. Um, so I've seen you during the um, the workshop, obviously, and I've I've seen when you drop your walls. How I'm going to explain it is kind of energetic. So when you drop your walls and just let that empowered master come out that you've nicknamed Master Hank, right? When you let that come out, and you've got these demo bottoms that are there with you that are terrified, but most of them are terrified, but they're wanting this so bad. And to watch you interact with them, that instinctiveness absolutely comes out. And you seem to be able to feel when someone starts shutting down because you've asked them to do something or challenge them in front of a group of people, mm. right? And it seems like you, you can just pick up on that. And you instinctively know what to do with them, even though they're a stranger. And it, it is absolutely amazing to watch. And that's what I wish more masters had the confidence to do, right? But did that come over time? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean I've been doing this for 20 years at this point and actively engaged and actively pushing, right? I don't accept, I, you know, as you know, right, I don't have any slaves in my life that come fully formed and just roll in and say, okay, cool. I'm a slave. Yippity. Right. The people that I bring into my life are people that need 
to be pushed and guided and have some crust broken off the edges to, you know, it's an active participation, right? It's a, it's a contact sport. So it's absolutely, it's a matter of it's confidence gained over time and experience. Nice. So one more question for you, if you don't mind. Good. Cause I'm getting bored. Okay. Who owns the collar? In the way I do things, and I don't care, this is not so much a Master Hank says you have to do it this way. This is just what I do. I happen to own the collar in all my relationships. So I have uh, a slave of 20 years that has been wearing a, uh, a collar for a long time. It's my collar. I have a slave that recently passed. I wanted that collar, right? Um, it's mine. I have other slaves that wear the same collar that other slaves have worn in the past, right? That collar has history. But either way, I own that collar. It's always, in a sense, a temporary situation that you've earned the collar because there's always a sense, right? I have slaves in my life that want, that need to be my slaves, and then eventually some slaves end up deciding they want to be my slave as well. Sometimes they don't and they go away and do something else. Either way, that collar always comes back to me. The slaves that stick around because they want to be my slaves, they're wearing that collar because they want to wear that collar and because I want them to. It's because they've earned it and they continue to earn it, right? You, a slave of 20 years, continues to earn that collar, continues to earn that trust Thank you. So, well, thank you for being on the show. So I'm kind of hoping he sticks around a little bit while we go play. Yeah, wrap up the show. So, yes, sir. So take a moment to support the podcast. Rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Or just tell your friends. And if you like what we're doing, head over to patreon.com slash eroticawakening to take a look at options like discounted stuff, extra content, and more. Our next Zoom meeting, as we said, is August 9th, and all that information will go out to our Patreon supporters. Bye, Dan. If you think Master Hank's full of shit and you'd like to write him some hate mail, <laughs> send that to Dan and Dawn at eroticawakening.com. Bye, Dawn. <laughs>